You're listening to Proropod. Welcome as we, Portia the lifelong fan and Amanda the first time reader, discover the books of Agatha Christie. We are sisters who live on opposite ends of the U.S. doing a quarantine project and who love to be soothed by British murder mysteries. In this shithole of a moment in history, it's nice to have Poirot or Miss Marple solve it all. Poirot pod. Right. You Is it Poirot pod or the Poirot podcast? Poirot pod is pretty good. Poirot pod. Okay. Um, we are here and we are up to 1923. We have to introduce and ourselves again. Third book. Oh, right. Who are we? I. This is Portia. That my that over there is my beautiful sister, Portia Hall Rockney, and I'm Amanda Hall. And Portia is the biggest Agatha Christie fan you ever met. And I um, am a new reader of Agatha Christie because it's COVID times, and I need more things to read. And you happen to like British murder mysteries, so it turns yeah, out... Yeah, I, I found that my brain really is soothed by um, watching a British murder be solved, which is... I don't know what that says about me, and I might be a psychopath, but um, <laughs> I noticed that... No, it's that very soothing to all of us. Father Brown and uh, Midsummer Murders, and so here we are at Agatha Christie. Yeah, fair. I'm so trying, I a, anyway. I also have a little personal story that's a little bit related to Agatha Christie, so I have... 10 month old almost actually they're going to be 11 month old in three days uh twins and we have an upstairs that has a loft and a nursery with lots of toys we have cups we have musical things we have all sorts of fun things all over the place but my daughter Annika decided um today actually she started it yesterday but she really went crazy today that she was going to crawl into my bedroom where I have a bookcase with all of my Agatha Christie books that I've oh. had for. Is it secured know. to the wall? I've seen too many of those videos. Make sure that yeah. your bookcase is secured yeah. to the wall. Okay. And it's a very short bookcase. Um, and she, on the bottom two shelves, it's only three shelves, are all Agatha Christie books. And she decided that what she was going to do was pull them all off of the shelf. <laughs> And put them on the ground and then occasionally <laughs> rip off the cover. <laughs> so, um, and so, but she, so my daughter has been surrounding herself with Agatha Christie books all day. Like she did it multiple times. Like, wait, I so, like, so our mom gave uh, her a Rachel Maddow book. Right. For Christmas it actually was appropriate because she's into no picture books at yeah, 10 months old. Totally so she was just pulling these off the shelf and occasionally as i said um ripping the cover off um but uh anyway so my all uh like half of my other christie books weren't uh on my bedroom floor for a little while and then i had to say did you know that we have all of the toys we have, the toys, <laughs> we have all the things not right here and um, I mean, it's not dangerous and it's not you know bad it's not like it's more just like you know that's what How kids will it? do. Yeah. Go anyway. On toys. That's cute. Well, yeah. Well, she knows. She knows there's Agatha Christie in there because we're doing this right. project. So um, I was actually reading it on my phone. So today's episode. So now that we're here, our uh, book of the day is Murder on the Links. Murder on the Links. Go ahead. So I was reading it on my phone because it's much easier to carry it around. But because of her work, I was able to quickly and easily find the physical copy of it because it was there on the floor. Very so nice. When, and my physical copy, so the original book was written in 1923. My physical copy was published in um, 84. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Anyway. So um, anyway, yeah. So written in 1923, this is her third book. And the second book about Perot, Poirot. Is <laughs> he is not Ross Perot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and then so uh, still very early in her career, um, she was thirty three years old, um, and 
some of the themes that she's had in the first two books, she definitely continues. So we will definitely be talking about that. Um, and again, spoilers, this book is written in 1923. So if you don't know who the murderer is. It is now less than 100 years old. That's true. Um, At the end of this, we will get to who the murderer is. Right. So um, so basically what happens now, we have the same characters from Mysterious Affair at Styles, um, Hastings and Poirot. So Poirot is the kind of savant detective and Hastings is his goofball sidekick who's a retired yeah. colonel from the army but seems very ingenue and young. Yeah, he seems very young again. And yeah. um, and he's just like there to make Poirot look smart. <laughs> right. Um, and also, but I think that honestly it seems like Poirot keeps him around for that purpose because he's like he convinces him to come with him for absolutely no reason except for the fact that he can be like oh Hastings bon ami right. you're an idiot. <laughs> Right. And <laughs> he um, enjoys insulting him to his face. He didn't even do it. Like, I feel like in the first book, it was more guys, but in this one, he'd just be like, actually, you are very not smart, and I am very smart, and I will tell you why. Constantly. Well, yeah, but I also think that it's not like what happened with him with the other detective. No, no, no. No, because Hastings just sits there with, like, you can just see him, like, doe eyed, like, huh. <laughs> Right. But I think the other reason why we have Castings as a plot device, meaning telling it from his point of view, um, not just to be the Watson, but also because it provides a love story. Right. Um, and, so, it, and I think he's, he's a very effective narrator because he sees it sort of like us as like an innocent reader would look right. at the situation, like the things that we would probably assume is what he assumes. So it does, right. he is a very effective narrator because if it was narrated by Paolo, it'd be one boring because he would just know right away and then it would be so egotistical you couldn't stand it as a narrator true yeah 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 so, so in this in this book Poirot gets a letter from a client that's like I'm in grave danger you must come to France right and so they go and he convinced Hastings to come with him but then they get there and the guy's already killed right so then like again it's a lit I feel like this is early on in her career. And so she's like, let's have all of the clues. Let's have a bazillion clues. Right. So he's dead. His wife was, a, tells a story that she was tied up and there was foreigners and there was a secret. Um, uh, then there was like the hot woman down the road and her hot daughter. Right. Who they were like, He's cheating with her. She's blackmailing him. Something's going on because all of a sudden yeah. she's got all this money and she goes over right. there all the time. Right. But then someone else is like, he'd never cheat on his wife. And then, oh, and we forgot to mention that the whole book starts with Hastings meeting this girl where, and, and he's like, who is this, you know, girl who's like way too modern? Also, I like her, but also I hate her from the <laughs> beginning. And then, but then right after that, <laughs> when they get the cry for help which is and then they are arriving at the crime scene he sees this other woman that he literally calls a goddess right the young hot neighbor yeah and so hastings is busy doing the thing that he did in the last book which is like all the women yeah and then um so the then we get the famous French detective. Right. Up. So it's interesting because unlike some stories where the private detective is like, doesn't have a good relationship with the police and th these two setups so far, like Praro's uh, uh, help has been appreciated by the police and the police are all like, Oh, he's so revered and because he's former, he's retired police and he's famous. So everyone's oh, we're so glad for your help. But then the special detective now shows up and he's all like, you're old school. I'm new school. Let me show you how we do it now in 1923 times. Right. And fossil. I wrote down that they wave their dicks around most you of the time. Right you wrote waving dicks. You literally wrote that. Because, <laughs> but, but that's because but, they are so like in a, in a way that's like, okay, you guys are really smart. Like, there's so much like, did you see that? Of course I did. Oh, did you see? Ah. There's just so many times where it's like, no, 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 I'm smarter. No, no, no. Steps, there are no steps, footsteps. Exactly. 
dun, yeah. dun. <laughs> right. <laughs> so then we get the feel like the wife of the victim is a unreliable witness. Mm-hmm. But also she's got marks on her wrist from being tied up. When she sees her the dead body of her husband, she faints and is like super upset. So it's like that it seems legit. Pro Poirot actually thinks that's legit. So it's like, yeah, what's going on with her? And then they have a son who had rushed off to somewhere. Paris? Somewhere? South America? Anyways, he was leaving. Yeah. And and then he shows up and he uh, is turns out to be in love with the neighbor down the street, the young hot one. Right. And turns out that there was a fight between him and his father because he wants to marry her and his father was like, absolutely not. Because so, uh, I'm either cheating with her mother and or being blackmailed, blackmailed by her, but you don't know that. So either way, you can't marry her. <laughs> right. And I, you know, we didn't mention that one of the things about when they first get there is like this whole story. Oh, and also the letter they mailed to Poirot, which was like, danger from Santiago, Chile. I used to live in Chile and danger, danger, danger. Right. right. And so they sent the son was told in a telegram because he was like in Paris or something supposed to be in Paris. And he was told the telegram to go to Santiago. And then the French detective, not Poirot found a cigarette and a match that were from Chile. And that was one of the biggest, you know, I'm smarter than you scenes where he's like, you found a match and a cigarette. Did you find the used match? And he's like, no, I must have not found it. And he was like, maybe you didn't look hard enough. And it was like, what are you talking about? I, you know, I looked super hard, but it was like, why would somebody drop an unused match? And an unused cigarette. cigarette. Right. right. And not actually smoke one. Yeah. So there was all this stuff about like Santiago. Like, and yeah, and, and that it was like probably a red herring and that it had been planted there. Right. But that's what Praro seems to be thinking. And then there's a letter in the victim's overcoat that's like this torrid love letter from someone named Bella who's like, you don't write, you don't call. What's going right. on? And then, so they assume that it was written to the victim and then that not, it's not really that much of a spoiler to realize uh, that the victim was wearing his son's overcoat and the letter was written to the son because the son was apparently doing had a had a girl and then they moved oh we didn't really mention that they had only moved to this neighborhood like three months ago yeah yeah just three months ago they just got i think they just moved to france right and they because he'd english. made his fortune all over the world and been in england and santiago and then they finally just and moved they, to france and they were english or something like that i think i saw that they were no like, he was supposed to be french canadian oh yeah yeah that's right yeah so anyway so again, like incredibly amount, a lot of clues. So then, uh, and then we got that one um, uh, quote that I just thought it was so stupid. One may have a crime without a murderer, but for two crimes, it's essential to have two bodies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So says right. So, and that's because they find another dead body in the shack next to right where the body was. The next day, they open the shack that's right next to it, and hey, lo and behold, there's another dead body in there with another knife in it, or with the, with the same knife in it. And right. previously, the day earlier, Hastings has got tricked into letting Cinderella into the crime scene just to impress him. Yeah, so Cinderella is the woman that he loves slash disapproves of on the train, right? And she. Clearly is way too smart for him and tricks him into letting her tour the crime scene. And he's totally so excited that he's like... being that he has authority to do that. So then he and then she fakes fainting, steals the murder weapon. Right. And that was like one of the funniest things is that at first he was annoyed because she was like, Oh, I totally want to see all the crime scene. It's so interesting. And he's like, oh, I totally disapprove. And she was like, Well, wouldn't you? And he's like, Yes, but I'm a man. And she's like, That's not fair. Then, when she actually sees the dead body, she faints, and he's like, I told you so. I'll bring you brandy and water. But then it turns out that the 
the knife disappeared and it doesn't even occur to him that she took it that she's the one who took it because she totally was faking both being interested in the crime scene because it was interesting and the fainting right the whole thing no that occurs to him yeah so anyway um so um anyway so and then, then the names her- are that we know that the victim's love letter in the overcoat, which turns out to be from the son, is from somebody named Bella. And they also right. find a ripped up fragment of a check in the victim's office from someone with the last name Duveen. Right. Um, so, so go on. And then they do figure out, I mean, before the final resolution that um, Bella Duveen is a person, but she wasn't in love with uh the guy who was killed she was in love with the son right she was the girlfriend of the son and she is actually the twin sister of cinderella which is the fake name obviously that she's been giving hastings so it's like the fake number of 1923 um but uh they're twins and they are acrobat performers because that's the thing right (laughs) they're cirque du soleil apparently of course we figure out that this is the same thing that happened 23 years ago right there was a very similar crime where there was a fake some a woman was fake tied up and a person was killed and there was a fake story of foreigners and masks right. and, and stuff like almost the exact same story and then they're like pro was like the person who uh i recognized who was in the story was the hot older labor and so then they're like yeah that was a funny thing when they had the moment where um he's uh hastings keeps on saying they killed the tramp that they found in the shed and by the way tramp is 1923 for a person experiencing homelessness (laughs) so um and uh so the hastings is kind of stuck on this and then he's like no 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 it's the fake story um, the fake story is what's familiar and the woman saying yeah stop story. looking for foreigners that's a fake story and the woman who's saying the fake story is the wife of the victim um, and then it turned out that the 21 years ago the woman who said the fake story was the hot woman down the road but these two women hate each other right so because right because way back then the guy who turned out to be the victim back then was the lover of sexy neighbor and right. so she was like, hey, sexy neighbor, kill my husband. And so he did. And like, fake, like fake, fake tied her up and killed her husband. And then they kind of both got off. They were well, sneaky and escaped. He, he escaped. And then she was on trial. And she said, first of all, she stuck to the whole foreigner story for a long time and said that it was because she was royalty. And they were like, no, that's not true. And then um, the guy who actually did the murder, who had run away, wrote in and said, I thought that her husband was abusing her, so I tried to save her by doing this. But now I know that she's actually in love with this rich American guy, and it was all about right. Um, I was being used. And so then this woman was like, oh, it was all this other guy who ran away. So this other guy who ran away was never caught. And this was 22 years ago. So it turns and out he it, went into hiding, went to Santiago, made his fortune because white privilege. And married this other woman. And, and, then, and then eventually got married. Yeah. And then what happened was, is that he took the risk because they'd been living in Santiago and living in England. And then when they moved back to France, they happened to move back to the town where this bitch was living, who he committed murder with. <laughs> 20 years ago and was like fuck she started she started blackmailing him because it was like you weren't caught 22 years ago no statute of limitations on that right um so then they were like what do we do what do we do so he and his wife planned uh to fake his death right so they did all this thing um of to fake the death they were like okay so we'll send the son away because he could identify the body we'll send the chauffeur away because we can identify the body we'll write to Poirot because then he can help investigate and um it'll look more legit like this whole mystery from Santiago and yeah and then this guy this homeless guy came to ask for money and then had um a seizure and died and And they they were like bazinga we got a body we got a body so all we have to do is you know tonight i'll leave 
dress up the guy in my clothes. We already are we they already did that. Put the put the dagger in him. I'll leave him by the train. Right. And, and I'll then, meet you in San Diego or wherever. Right. And they changed the will so that his wife got everything. So then it was just they'll they'll start over. Um but sexy young, neighbor, young sexy neighbor. Who had been who, dating the son and that was one of the reasons why the father was like, okay, we got to get out of here because um, the daughter of the woman who's blackmailing him is now trying to go after his son. And he's like, oh, hell no. Right. This has got to end. So, um, so she overhears and- this and is like, oh, no, if he fakes his death, that's the end of our ticket for money. So if I kill him legit, then the right. son will marry me and then I will get all the monies. And she overhears this because apparently there's only one place on the entire property that you could go to have a private conversation, but you could totally sit in a hedge behind them and hear the whole thing, apparently. Right. Um, it's, it's so funny because these, these properties sound huge. And so it's like, how, how much are you really overhearing things in these large yards? Do you always go to the corner where the neighbors can hear you? But then I love this coincidence. So, A, the victim has a dead body in the shed and he's digging a grave because... They don't actually want him to, f- to find the dead body for a while because they want for the faking his death. He wants it, nobody to find the body for a little while because it's easier to mess up in identification. So he's digging the grave. Then the girl who overheard the story of the faking the death is going to come up and kill him. And Bella Devine is walking up at the same time. And jack the son is walking up at the same time right so it's the and son it's like- his two girlfriends because basically he never broke up with bella he's just been stringing he's just like whatever i lost interest because sexy neighbor and so she's sending these desperate letters like don't you right. want me don't you love me and so she stalks him and comes visit without invitation and then and then his girlfriend's coming up, up on the same part of a golf course which is why it's called murder on the links it's such a deceiving name uh because it that's a you know no one it it's such a it's not the but fact of course it's barely in it yeah yeah anyway but they all walk and converge on the same part of the golf course at midnight right within uh, moments of- young marta sexy marta kills the dad and gets away no one sees her but then right. all of a sudden bella and her ex or walk up and see the body her. and they're like what the hell did you just do? And they don't communicate. They just run away. They both run away. And the, and he'd been killed with a special dagger that they both had a copy of. And they both knew that they had a copy of. Right. So um, so they're both then, like, you killed him. You must have killed him. Right. So then, um, uh, but Cinderella, her sister, is like, wait, where's my sister? Did she go after this guy? What happened? Um, couldn't find her sister then saw in the paper that it happened so she went over there herself the next day which is when she ran into Hastings saw the body recognized the knife because her sister had it and then that's why she still did not stole the knife and put it in the water and then um so like uh, I well this is a back to the one of the themes about it is about Hastings not believing women mm-hmm because she says, when she finally tells him everything, um, she says, I took the knife and I dropped it in the water. Um, but then, uh, because she was convinced that her sister had done it and then there were fingerprints on it. Um, but then Poirot is like, well, actually, your sister didn't do it. It was the sexy hot neighbor. And I could prove that because your sister's knife is probably still in her possession. So he writes to Dulcie, the other sister, and says, bring me the knife. And then when she brings it, Hastings is like... Is that is oh, Dulcie Cinderella's real name? Yeah. Okay. I, can't, I got lost on that. So, um, but anyway, Dulcie brings the knife and Hastings is like, I guess she just held on to it, even though she told me she dropped it in the water. And I'm like, no. no. You idiot. So anyway, um, so she was trying to cover save her sister's butt including so then there yeah so anyway so the rest of the the story of the at least the murder before we get to the love story um is uh then um 
first Jack accuses himself of the crime. Or he gets arrested and he's like, I didn't do it, but he never explained Yeah, why. he won't defend himself, really. And then um, Bella, who loves him, finds out. And so she accuses herself of the crime. Um, and Jack is not doing well because he was like super under strain. And um, so then he goes to see his mother, who's not been well ever since her husband died. And then her, hus- fr- her son was arrested. And he goes to see her with Marta and her and uh, she's like, you're no son of mine. I'm going to cut you off for the money, which is totally a trap. Right. Um, where the mom is bait. And then so Poirot knows this and apparently nobody else does. I think it was, yeah, I think it was Poirot's idea because he visited her right before that happened. So I think right. he was like, right. you got to do this. You got to say this in front of Marta so that they will try to kill you. Right. Because she's and like, then, tomorrow I will change my will. So if you kill me tonight, it's not too late. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then, um, you know, uh, and this is another thing where uh, first they visit Jack and they see Marta and her mom. And then, so they're like, there they are. And then they go to the house and um, and they're looking at the house with the mom in it. And then you suddenly hear her screaming for help and the doors shut. Right. Because uh, it turns out they were looking at the wrong bedroom because she'd switched bedroom after the crime. And Ferraro didn't know that. So then they're like, we can't get in. We can't get in. And Dulce is an acrobat. So she's like, I'm just going to shimmy up and sh- climb over I'm all these gonna things. just going to Spider-Man up this wall real fast and, and save, the, save everything. Free- Hastings freaks the fuck out. He's He's like, like, be careful, you're so delicate. It's just like, motherfucker, I'm an acrobat. Yeah, and Paro is like, no, she's going to save the day, and she does. Right, she prevents the the mother from being murdered. Right. And And then then, then the the murderer dies. How did she die? She falls backwards and hits her head on a corner. Okay, so it's like she dies but but no one has to feel bad about her death. Right, right, which is very convenient you know. So, um, anyway so then let's go to some of the interesting themes that kind of go back to uh, Well, yeah, and then I think the only other thing to go to themes is at the end of that book, there's there's an implied, this is something meaningful between Cinderella slash Dulcie and Hastings and Paro kind of co-signs it. He's like, "Yeah, you you fall in love with every woman you see, but I actually right. think there's something here this time." Um, right, right, and yeah, because the yeah the first novel Hastings was like her, no her, like everyone's hot, and this one he did the same thing. But was what was interesting is that um, he actually didn't. He was like, "Dulcie's or Cinderella's hot, but I actually hate her." Like he said that for most of the book. Yeah, and then when he finally sees her, and he knows that she's, um, or he thinks that she's being, um, yeah. There's a point where he thinks she's the murderer, right? Because he he thinks she's Bella, right? Because twins, he can't. He really, and like you said, he's so slow because he can't understand the whole twins thing. Like he really, the whole time, there's so many clues that it's like it's not her, it's her sister. But he's still like, I love you, even though you love him, and. We already right. know that the person who it's, it's Bella, it's not her name. But anyways, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but it was really interesting because the whole, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. Actually, I love you, which was different from all the other times when he was like, she's hot and she's hot and she's hot. Um, but then it's really interesting how, like, uh, so I have this quote of, um, it's from the very beginning. A woman should be womanly. I have no pa- patience with the modern neurotic girl who jazzes from morning to night, smokes like a chimney, and uses language which would make it Billingsgate fishwoman blush. And it starts out because at the beginning of the book, um, Cinderella Dulcie says hell. And the reason she says hell is she's actually worried about her sister. We know that at the end. Right. But at the beginning, Hastings is like, women shouldn't say hell. But that description, I was like, that's totally Tuppets. Yeah, it totally is. And he's like, I don't like that kind of woman. And it's like, okay. Right. And it's such an interesting choice as a writer 
to make the narrator because clearly like she always you know from the how far i've gotten and i have read ahead a little bit um and it seems like in every book she puts like a whippersnapper young girl who you know is out there you know living her best life and so the fact that she for most of the books chooses a narrator who doesn't love that and writes the book from the perspective and it seems like a very feminist sort of choice to make in 1923 to be like i'm going to make the narrator agree with the reader who might have these feelings and i'm going to show them how they're wrong and make fun of them to their face and have poirot insult them and make the woman be smart of them at every step of the way (laughs) it's such an interesting tool and i think i don't know you know what exposure people had had to different kinds of like unreliable narrators i don't you know know my literary history enough right. to know that but yeah. but but you know to like to be like the 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 narrator is unreliable in his perspective in that way and and the, the author disagrees with the narrator is really complex and to make right. him trying to be a simpleton but in a very common way right you know and what so, i mean like if i wrote a book and was all like my narrator was like a mega fool and like i had to convince the narrator how they were wrong or just demonstrate it through the book that's that's difficult you know Right. And, and yeah, so it's totally interesting how Hastings is wrong because uh, he is so sexist, you know, right? And so, like, he... And and, so- and every time he's wrong, it's normally about him making assumptions. Like, he'd be like, well, a son would never kill his father. And, and Prowl was like, yeah, they would. Like, you know, right. hey, Prowl was like, I've seen ch- mothers kill their children. Like, you know, Prowl has been living in, like, SVU. <laughs> He's seen it all. Right. Meanwhile, Hastings somehow is like the sidekick of a, a detective, but he's always like, beautiful women don't do bad things. And <laughs> like, he just is right. so, it's always so about him making that, cultural assumptions. The fact that the killer turned out to be a beautiful young woman, the woman, who, the person who stalked her was a beautiful young woman. The bad guy in the old story was the beautiful woman. Right. So it's, this whole thing is mostly women doing it and hastings is like well that wouldn't happen (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay i mean yeah so the sexism is really called out over and over again you know so does this this character stay as like a a gf for hastings in future books they get married and he moves to argentina oh that's adorbs yeah so oh yeah okay good i'm glad to know that ahead of time Right, because she's, yeah, especially since she's going to, like, kick his ass over and over again. Right, um, and then you had, you had, like, brought up the fact that, like, there's definitely this, like, standoff between the the new hot detective who's all like, you're an old fossil and I have all the new techniques because I can find microscopic mashes and, and stuff like that. Right. And then Pravo being like, well, murder hasn't changed. Right, so. and then they don't even do the bet of who's gonna find the murder and when they do that bet uh, i know you didn't have a physical copy but that like it, that bet is like there's so much tiny left yeah no it's right at the book. end of the book yeah because uh, you're right it, it's like at the end of the book they bet on who finds a murderer first yeah i mean it's like um so yeah, they do that bet on the physical book on page 192 and the end of the book is on 228. So like, you, you know, yeah. and so, but they've been like, I'm better than you the whole time. And then they do the bet at the very end, which is such an interesting place to do it anyway. So, um, but they were also definitely, cap- uh, this goes back to this, like, is Poirot old? Well, um, and you said that because I feel like in the first book, and again, I'm a new reader, but in the first book, they mentioned he was retired police. They mentioned they made him be right. old. And in this one, they kind of like, everyone was like, oh, yeah, he's older. We respect him. He's got a great reputation. This is the end of his career. But I right. think because we've imprinted on that actor who played him for so long, who wasn't that old, we don't well, think of him because- as an old man. Although there was that one white haired actor who played him in a couple of them. Right. And, um, uh, she wrote books about him for another 50 years right so like right he stayed um, yeah so like anyway so i i think this is she her idea of what is old and young is a little bit right right 
But I didn't think, and, that, and it didn't seem like there was inconsistency within this book of his age, right, no, no. or in, in yeah. tracks with the first book, too, because they mentioned, because I remember being surprised reading that when I read the first book, because, again, I didn't print it on that actor who plays him primarily, who was didn't right. seem to be a retirement age. He seemed to be, like, a middle-aged guy. Right, David Suchet, yeah. Um, so, again, there felt like there was, like, not too many suspects this time, but too many clues. Yeah, there was a lot of clues, and the whole thing was, like, this was this one custom knife, and it turns out to be there was three custom knives, and right. that was the like the, the grave uh, there was all these things like yeah the door was open the footsteps in the well, yeah and because of the fact there was like a premeditated fake murder plan by the husband and the wife and then someone took advantage of that and actually killed him right so there was like two different crimes right um, and then the lovers taking blame for each other. Like, and which, again, I was like, would you take it blame for someone who was supposed to have killed your father? <laughs> like, this is your ex, a girl you ghosted. And now, but at the end, Praro was like, oh, they really love each other. So he ends up back with this girl and not the murderer, which is good because she's dead now. Um, right. But but he was ready to go to jail for, I guess, no, she was really willing to go to jail for him right he was and he he didn't necessarily confess when he thought that she was suspected right he just said um he just was he didn't throw her under the bus at least right he didn't defend himself at all yeah but again like if you killed my dad i might be like even if i was mad at him because he wouldn't let me marry my haughty neighbor some might be like but my ex shouldn't stab my dad though that seems bad even if you thought that she stabbed him because um, oh he like, thought really? yeah he thought but still that's not great like <laughs> you know yeah because he thought that she stabbed him because he thought that she thought that his father was him yeah, yeah but that's not great so i'm gonna go to jail for you because you killed your dad my dad thinking it was me that's not great well and this goes back to this idea of her description of love is kind of interesting because who was jack really in love with was he really in love with bella and then Martha was like this evil. I mean, this was the end of the story. Right. She's the siren. Who uh, was like distracting him. But he actually really loved Bella. And so when his dad ended up dead and it might have been killed because they thought it was him that he actually was like, yeah, I deserve that. I was a total a jerk. Yeah. But like ghosting a girl is not the same as does not warrant a stabbing. You know, like, I get it. I don't like being ghosted either. But then, like, I don't think I'd be like, well, yeah, I stabbed her because she ghosted me. Like, that wouldn't go over so well. <laughs> fair, fair. But she actually, Bella didn't stab him, so. No, she didn't. But just the fact that, like, that was, like, that, right. that Jack could feel that bad. Like, yeah, I was, like, yeah, I mean, you could feel bad about being shitty to a girl, but you don't necessarily think that right, she should get stabby he, after but that. He didn't, he, but he didn't, like, confess he just didn't mention her yeah he all. didn't throw her under the bus which is which is noble which is why Prawa was like they're both willing to go down for murder for the other one it's true love <laughs> right right um and yeah this idea of what is real love versus fake love because you know uh hastings is like oh she's hot oh she's hot oh she's hot and then that moment where he's like actually i love you and even though i think you might have committed the crime because he had confused the twins um, I'm not going to help my friend catch you. Oh, right. Yeah, but when we were going through the plot somewhere, we didn't talk about that part. But there's a point where Hastings thinks that Cinderella is the killer. So he says to her, like, basically, I'm going to deceive Praro or not help him to protect you because we've had four conversations, most of right. which were under three minutes. But now I'm willing to betray my best friend slash roommate to protect you who's a murderer right <laughs> yeah i've actually i'm noticing that as a trend too in reading her books that people fall in love hard like love hard. is like all-consuming and it's not like i mean he's cute but let me get to know him and no it's like i love you here's my here's my kidneys take it all right exactly and so um because like the fact yeah. that he was like I love you even though you love another man. I love you even though you're a killie. And I just, right. and I'm willing to and lie to my friend, the detective. Your name. Right. 
you've never told me your right name because you're not that into me. <laughs> but right. I'm going to lie to my friend who is the smartest detective in the world who cannot be tricked, but I'm going to trick right. him right. <laughs> for you. <laughs> Idea. and that's what you can tell the whole time that paro is like okay hun because he's like okay you tricking me now that is so sweet <laughs> well and it's interesting because like so agatha christie herself um she had she was married to archibald christie <clears throat> in 1914 but they divorced in 1928 oh. so this was the middle of her first marriage and then she married another guy two years later in 1930. But she kept her own name because she'd already made a name for herself as Christy. Right, as Christy. As someone who's um, been through multiple name changes, I get it. Sometimes it's just not the right time to change your name. Sometimes you got to change it later. <laughs> I get it. Right. <laughs> so this idea that, like, when you knew, know um, what, like, what is true love, her... It might be interesting, and I've never done it this way. Like, what she's writing about true love, it's like, I'm willing to lie down for you what she writes about in 23. How does that change? Ooh, that'll be good. We can compare it to, like, second marriage, like, right after the divorce, <laughs> the year before right. the divorce, which is always, you know, as you and I know, the year before the divorce is always when it's really dark. <laughs> right. And then, well, and then there's the you you know she disappeared right once right no yeah in 26 tell me and the listeners we need these gems you know you have all this is why i wanted to do this because you have all these deck of the christie gems yeah and there's a there's a i think it's on netflix there's a story that imagines why she disappeared in 26 and it was to solve a crime now that was just you know but she disappeared um, and nobody could find her, and she was already a well-known author. And so it was like, where did she go? And some people thought she was suicidal. Was this after her first divorce? No, it was two years before. Ooh, wow! Um, so wait, and then oh, what, what happened when she popped back up? Where did she pop back up, and what did she say? Um, a she popped back up at a um a spa for how long? Like how long was she gone? um oh not it was only like two weeks okay but still but, like if you know a person that's a lot to be yeah. to be missing like now in retrospect you're like two weeks we've been quarantined for 64 days but <laughs> but if you're like if i did yeah if i if, yeah. if you if i couldn't find you for two weeks that would be a big deal yeah so i just looked and i'm to be fair i'm looking at a um uh wikipedia well so you know, as one does <laughs> but apparently um uh in 20 early uh 26 april of 26 her mom died then in august of 26 she went to recuperate from a breakdown caused by overwork and Gether christie did and um her husband asked for a divorce because she'd he'd fallen in love with somebody else. Uh. And then it was early December. He said he was going to spend the weekend with friends without her. And she disappeared from her home. To go stalk them. Um, so this is the thing. Uh, her car was found above a chalk quarry with an expired driving license and clothes. And then it was like a big story because everybody's like, where did this famous author go? And for it was 10 days later, they found her at a spa in a totally different town, registered under the uh, last name of her husband's lover. <laughs> wow. Right. So she went all crazy. So she probably stalked them and then was like, I'm being crazy. Let me go thing. But then she checks in under the lady's name. Oh, man. She does fall hard. Yeah, so this is their thing, like, what is true love? She, so this was, that's three years after she wrote this book, where she's like, true love is where you're like, I'm willing to go to prison for you. And then 
three years later, her husband's like, yeah, I'm in love with somebody else. Wow. Right. And you pointed out the letter that Bella wrote to Jack was kind of stalkery, which you could see it from that sense. You could see it as, well, yeah, she did say, I'll kill you before anybody else has you. So that's, that is stalkery. I was thinking, like, if you get ghosted, you might write an intense letter that's like, hey, what the fuck? But right. and, the and death threats does take it to a stalkery level. Yeah, I was trying to see if I could find it because I didn't mark that off. But um, anyway, I guess um, I, they wanted to set up, because she was doing the thing like she did in the earlier book, where she wants to set up that Jack is, that Bella's the siren and Marta's the good girl for him to marry. Nope. Which, of course... Oh, you oh you mean, the, like, right, you're trying to set... He's, she's trying to set the reader up to be right. confused, right? Right, and so that's why she made the letter more stalkery. But it, I was like, oh, come on. You could do better than that. Um, yeah. Why have you... My dearest one, why have you not written for so long? You still love me, Steele, don't you? Your letters lately have been so different, cold and strange, and now this long silence. Um, yeah, I've been that girl. Yeah, so <laughs> been that girl. I've also, uh, yeah, she said I'd soon kill myself, and then she said, I if I fancy another woman is coming between us, let her look out. That's all. And you too, I'd soon as kill you, then let her have you. I'm, yeah, I've never been that girl. I've never been, I've never done death threats or suicide threats. That That's a lot. Uh, you know, it's easy to be but, like, hey, what's going on? I thought this was well, a thing. Well, I can see why, while her sister was like, dude <laughs> all right he's just not that into you i know that we don't have that phrase yet because it's 1923 but he's just not that into you right so, so there's a sexy killy neighbor with a sexy right. killy mom right uh exactly and the sexy killy mysterious neighbor and um yeah um so yeah so another thing was uh oh um yeah so when he does fall in love um uh who hastings Poirot, yeah so Poirot has been like teasing him about this whole time about like and he's back in the styles case he's like none of these women are for you um but then when after hastings was like i'm gonna protect her from you even though i think she you know killed um he says that uh oh god where is it i'm sorry i'm trying to do think two things at once um uh that hey uh Poirot gets all serious you know and it says um like love did not arrive um like a cock a hoop and Oh God! See this way. I should have written down the whole thing because I'm annoyed. But you're saying that Poirot says that, like, basically, this this love makes more sense. Yeah, it is love that has come, not as you imagine it, all cock-a-hoop with fine feathers, but sadly with bleeding feet. Oh yeah, I saw that you'd written that quote about love arrives on bleeding feet, and I was like, what? Ew. Right, and so this <laughs> idea that like he thought that love would be like woo, it's all happy and things but then it came and it actually was like actually this is hard and so trauma bonding uh, Poirot was all like see you thought you were in love all those other times but it turns out love's not like that it's like sad anyway right and you uh, still have literally only had like four conversations with this girl totally like how and yeah. for the longest one that you did have she was acting so that she could trick you but sure. Right, right. <laughs> but you still like, I mean, like, as the reader, you like the character of Cinderella. Oh, like, yeah. she's hilarious, and she's super smart, and she's super, like, she she just, you know, is kind of, like, right. sassing him the whole time. Totally. So, yeah, the fact that he's, like, all judgmental of her. I judge, I judge, I judge, I love. <laughs> it's a lot. Like, okay. <laughs> Wait, you put this thing in about, um, brain fever where was that mentioned i don't remember brain fever so, so jack like was under a lot of strain because his dad died and then he got arrested and he was like not defending himself and so when they pick him up he's like i'm not doing well 
and then you know he you know people were like oh he looked terrible and then he went to go see his mom and that's when she did the i'm gonna disown you because you're with this girl and he fainted and um marta you know sexy killy girl was like i'll take care of him me and my mom will take care of him and of course she wants to take care of him because she wants him to get all the money um but they said she uh has to be taken care of and calm all night and if he doesn't he will get brain fever (laughs) because when you're stressed out from being in jail and then your mom disowning you and then fainting you might get brain fever yeah so i was like yeah um yeah so what does they have a lot Uh, their ailments back then were, were different the way that, 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 yeah, you could be infirm from the war, but playing tennis and then you right, might get brain right, fever. Exactly. So you probably need some leeches yeah. or bloodlet or something. <laughs> it's 2023. Okay. It's not the Middle Ages. Okay. Sorry, I've been listening to something about uh, the plague and so yeah, I'm mixing up my... So after you think... A doctor with cams, after the examining the patient, gave his opinion it was simply a case of nerve strain. With perfect rest and quiet, the lad should be almost restored by the next day. But if excited, there was a chance of brain fever. It would be advisable for someone to sit up all night with him. So what the hell is a brain fever? Right, what would we call that in that time? That's not PTSD, because it was all emotional stuff. Like no, It was nothing physical. Right. But like, I feel like you'd just be like depressed but i don't know if you someone sat up with you all night that would prevent that yeah i have no idea anyway um so and then the the only other thing is like so tommy and tuppence is the same thing and tuppence is very similar to cinderella and like the way she views the world but they're super funny but this is all like tragic yeah it's tragic there's it's not funny i mean well cinderella's funny and like the banter between her and it's not even banter but it's like one-sided banter between cinderella and hastings but but the interaction is funny to the reader right um but but yeah it's like right and that's why i think i really liked secret adversary because i didn't know she could be so funny right and Cinderella brings that into this book, but overall, it's just depressing because, you know, the woman was supposed to escape with her husband, but then Paro kind of brings it up like it's like, well, you know, he got away with murder once and they came back to right. bite him. So, you know, it's, it's right. going to happen. Like, you, he's been on the lam for 20 years for an actual murder and like, yeah, he got tricked into it by a sexy neighbor, but he still killed the dude. So it wasn't great. Right. So you don't feel that bad when, when Paro puts it right. that way. You're like, I get it. Right. And then we do get like, just like at the end of Styles, we get a lot of couples. So Jack and Bella get back together because he realizes that Marta was like, you know, manipulating him. Plus now she's dead. Uh, so not an option. <laughs> <laughs> she tried, she killed my dad. She tried to kill my mom, but now she's dead. So even if I wanted to backslide into that, you know, bad pattern. Right. <laughs> and then, um, uh, so Bella's got to feel great. He's picked me over the person that tried to get <laughs> Right. Um, well, to be fair, Jack was like not going to go see her. And and Poirot was like, you should go see her. And he's like, how can I go see her after all this? You know, right. so he was a little, right. you know, ashamed of it. Yeah. And that's when Poirot was like, you guys have shown that you've been willing to lay down your lives for each other. So sort of right it does kind of point out Poirot as a romantic not in the Hastings way who's just an idiot but but like he right. does value love and yeah he wants to couple everybody off I mean like he did that in styles you know how do we couple everybody off um and so yeah he coupled off them and then of course Hastings and um and Cinderella you know the clue that they're gonna end up together is that letter that she wrote him about sorry about always lying to you um is she he said um it's a badly written letter but i kept to this day yeah i i remember, I remember noticing that too he's like i kept it to this day which would again be kind of weird if he just knew that girl for like a week forever ago right. but right he kept it 
Yeah. All right. So on, we're going to create a scale today. So on uh, a scale of one to 10 of Agatha Christie books. So like you being the Agatha Christie expert of like Ooh, from your uh, best to your worst, where do you rank this book on your scale? Okay. Which is the best? Is it one or 10 is the best? 10 is the best. Okay. Um, this is a seven or eight. Okay. Okay. Cause yeah. Um, I feel she's still working out some of her, like, let's have all the clues. Um, but it's intriguing. It's interesting. You don't know who did it. Like she does a good job of like confusing you. Um, you care about the characters. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of twists and turns. So, you know, like, um, yeah, it's up there. Yeah. yeah and I, 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 I like to think like coming from a post, you know, uh, oh, dang it. What's the, what's the movie with the, I see dead people. Oh, um, oh my God. M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> with the, Sixth right. Sense. Okay. Uh, like coming yeah, from a yeah, yeah. post Sixth Sense reader, right? Like I, right. I've seen every twist. I've read every twist. Like I, I'm looking for things and for just still right. not be able to put it together. And I'm not saying I'm the most sophisticated, but today's reader has, has, has writers and people who write screenplays right. constantly giving us every twist and turn to try to make it fresh and new a hundred years later from this. So the fact that like I was reading this and I was like, totally surprised by who the murderer was like i couldn't see the setup at all so that's pretty impressive right right yeah so yeah so i think it's up there now i gotta tell you her next novel is my absolute favorite. you mentioned that last time you said that this is your absolute favorite which i actually started reading already and i am loving right it's so it's good like tommy Tuppets, but no no uh no tommy right yeah, it, um, it, I, I am loving it, and I'm excited to, to go into that, too. And it's actually one that, like, when you're not paying attention, you're like, wait, what? And you have to go back, because you really have to right, pay attention yeah. to all the details. And it's one where, like, I think all the clues really, it's cool how the way the clues line up. Like, there's a lot fewer red herrings, but just, like, subtle, subtle clues that add up to the big picture. Right. And it's, you know, it's a little bit also in the... Um the thriller spy novel as opposed to the murder mystery right thing. there's a murder but it's more and of a spy novel yeah and so that's again like why is it that she's not known as much for the the spy novel one right because we're on to the fourth book and this is already our second spy novel yeah yeah uh, anyway so uh, yeah so i'm excited i'm super excited um, for the man in the brown suit and thank you okay so we're gonna now so since we this is a new scale since this is a new podcast we're gonna go back through and i'm gonna make you rank everything so far so we said that murder of the links was a seven or an eight so i'm gonna convert yeah. that from portia into reality so we're gonna give that a 7.5 now we're gonna go to the secret adversary what is your ranking for that me personally i think that's a nine i think it's so it's good. so good it's so good you're right okay so secret adversary is a nine okay and the mysterious affair at styles hmm i would say a seven it's solid it's solid but um it's also her very first right set her up as a good writer set her up but but she had fine tuning to do right right Okay. Okay. That's excited. So I didn't need you to think. I'm pretty sure you're going to give Man in the Brown Suit a 10 because it's your favorite book <laughs> of hers and of all the I'm books. Excited. I'm excited to reread it. That's for sure. I actually, I wonder if I can find that one on audiobook because that'll be interesting to hear it. Um, yeah, that'll be fun. I'm excited about that. One. And this theme about like as a woman in 2020 to read about women in the 1920s and be like, you know, they did things. They were smart. They were, you know, like capable. There was exciting. There was like, you know, like much more so than you might think, given how much now we're like, oh, back then they didn't do anything right. and they didn't have any Right. Votes, and it does seem know? like with white privilege and money, there was a certain, right? That like, that there was a lane. Because like, right? Like, yeah. it, I mean, they're, like you pointed out, there are always women of a certain cast or whatever you know they're always right well to do women right. but but with money and my privilege they were they right. did have a lane to make out for themselves if they had to bump back against 
guys like Hastings who would underestimate them and worse. Right. Yeah. Although, you know, the class thing is an interesting one because that's going to keep coming up because it, you know, it, it was talked about a little bit in styles and lack of money was talked about a little bit in secret adversary, although they didn't really talk about class. Um, but there was a moment when um, Cinderella and Hastings first met each other at the beginning. And she said, it's no good when people like me fall for people like you. Mm. Hastings was higher class and she was a performer. Right. But that's not necessarily a, something that a wealthy person would be. Right. Like that's a kind of like, it's a yeah, trade. Like, yeah. It's trade. You're traveling from town to town. You're not. Yeah. And so the fact that her sister had done the same thing, right. Or had done what she was just talking about was like, fall fell for a rich guy and was being ghosted mm -hmm. so she oh right so she knew that because yeah having watched her sister do it fell for this rich guy right. who's now ghosting her right yeah because she said something like i've seen that happen um i didn't even catch that yeah um yeah i'm trying to figure out yeah i should have gotten it um but yeah, something like, um, I've seen that. It, I know that doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, oh, that's really interesting. This was not in the um, online version. I wonder if they took this out. Because when I read it on my you know, phone, they took this out because they get to the end of the train. Is this at the, uh, like, at the beginning of the book? very beginning of the book they get to the end of the you know train trip and then they pull into the station and she goes oh my goodness where's my powder puff and then she makes herself up and then he says why did you why do you do that um and he says it isn't and he said it isn't though you isn't you aren't pretty you don't but you don't have to do that and she said my dear boy i've got to do it all the girls do do you think i want to look like a little frump up from the country and so there's a little moment there, but they, it wasn't in the book that I read. Interesting. Online. So in the, it is the 1984 version that was still in. Yeah. Now there is a, the F word that now has a really awful meaning. For um, cigarette? For, yeah. But she says that keeping up appearances is a bit of a, I, I'm gay, so I'll say, is it fag? Is that the word? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I think that still means cigarette in, in England. Yeah. So I think. <laughs> I'm just saying. But in this case, it kind of sounds like she's saying drag. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know this woman could be a bit of a fag. Yeah. So. Interesting. But that I whole paragraph is gone from the whatever version is on your Kindle. Yeah. Actually, that makes me want to look on my. Um, See the publishing information? Because as of 1984, that was still in. Yeah. He says, hey, did you hear about the Styles case? And she says, oh, yeah, the old lady was poisoned. And then he's like, oh, let me tell the whole story. Because he's obviously good at telling stories. And then warming to the subject, I told her about the whole thing. And then we pulled into the station. That's the same thing. Then in my uh, ebook. He says, I secured a couple of porters and says goodbye. But in my paper copy, there's this whole scene. Of her putting on powder on her face and him. Putting on makeup and him saying, why do you do that? And she says, I got to keep up appearances. It's kind of annoying. And then um, if a girl respects herself, it's up to her not to let herself get slack. And then I secured some porters. Interesting. Oh, yeah. And, oh, this is interesting, because then she says, hey, I'll see you on the boat, because they the train was to the boat, um, but then it turns out she didn't get on it, but we didn't know at the time. She says, um, he says, I'll see you on the boat, and he said, uh, we'll meet again, and she said, uh, he, he says, this is all in the book, um, I want to meet your sister, and she says, she laughs um 
That's nice of you. I'll tell you what you say, but I don't fancy and we'll meet again. You've been very good to me on the journey, especially after I cheeked you as I did. But what your face expressed first thing is quite true. I'm not your kind. And that brings trouble. I know that well enough. And her face changed. And then she's clearly referring to what happened between her sister and Jack. And then she says, goodbye. Aren't you going to tell me your name? Which is back to um, um, the same thing. Um, Aren't you going to tell me your name? So, yeah, they cut quite a bit. Um, Yeah. This is interesting. Another sentence they cut. She looked over her shoulder. A dimple appeared in each cheek. She was like a lovely picture by Grizel. Cinderella, she said, and laughed. So that lo- that dimple appeared in each cheek, not in the ebook. Weird. Why would they cut so much from the first chapter in the ebook? Because you didn't get to have all that. So that's a little weird thing that we just figured out. Yeah. Why is the version that I have from 1984 have more information? Yeah, more lines that have been cut. And I wonder if that's all throughout the book. Well, I remembered those lines. Um, and I actually remember looking for them in the ebook and then thought, well, maybe I imagined it from a different book. So I'm glad I looked right now. And that didn't happen the rest of the book. Okay. Right. And you know these books so. well, so you probably would have recognized yeah. it. But that's interesting that, that someone after her death is making those choices to edit out yeah. parts that aren't controversial. Like, I understand if they want to change things that yeah. are no longer appropriate, no, that's but that's interesting to cut out that stuff. Right. Because it was more about the love story. Yeah. Weird. Anyway. All right. Well, it's late. We talked longer than I thought, especially since I'm that little that was fun but okay again so thank you for listening to here's the name of it i know it all the way this time promo pod and (laughs) join us next time for a discussion of the man in the brown suit